Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. So I am excited today to have Reg Ricks with us. Now, Reg is the co-founder of Car Finance 247, which has achieved phenomenal success from zero to where it is today in 10 years. Now, it's the UK's leading car finance broker. He has over 500 employees and sales of 75 million. So this is going to be some story as we hear insights from Reg. And we're going to be talking about leadership and challenges and resilience, personal attributes to success, and also what's on the horizon. And we're going to also talk about some of the things that we don't actually hear about that often, the tough side of growing and leading a business. So on that note, a big welcome to you, Reg. So looking forward to hearing your story. And can I hand over to you to share a bit about your story as we get started? Yeah, thank you, Rebecca, for that introduction. Um, It's hard to believe uh, that's me, to be honest, um, and everything that we've achieved uh, over the past 10 years. Um, but I guess one of the things I'd like to make clear, really, is that, that it's, I mean, 10 years is a long time, it's a decade. Uh, but I started out in business when I was 17, when I left school after my GCSEs. I'm now nearly 40. So it's actually 22 years, and um, we've had lots of trials and tribulations over the years, lots of ups and downs. Um, I come from a, um, a hardworking class family. My, my father is in the motor trade. And I've always seen my, my dad self-made. He's, he's always uh, worked for himself. And uh, he has a very successful business, a uh, used car business. Um, and, you know, when we were growing up, I've always seen my dad work. He, he wasn't around very much. He was always working. And for being a teenager, I was always going to work with him. Um, and I guess where that, that, that's where probably the work ethic has come from and, and that, that desire to set my own business up when I left school. Um, so it started when I was 17 in 1999. I had the idea of setting up a business very similar to Autotrade today. It's a used car classified business. And um, I wanted to uh, set a website up. It was Northwest based around Manchester. And uh, my idea was to get dealerships around the Northwest uh, to advertise their vehicles on my car search. And uh, here we are today with uh, computers in our pockets, with mobile phones, with my eight-year-old asking uh, for a mobile phone. Uh, but back then it was very different. You know, uh, over 20 years ago, the, the internet was just kicking off. I used to drive around with um, not even a laptop, a, a file, a sort of flip chart, file fax with, with laminations of what my website <laughs> looked like. <laughs> yes. And uh, with 56k dial-ups that get onto the internet and dealers were just like, you know, what is this internet? We don't understand it. Dealerships didn't even have the internet in those days, uh, would you believe? And um, it, it, was, it was an idea. It got off the ground. Uh, my brother joined me about a year later and we probably had four or five employees and well, we stuck at it for a couple of years, but it was very tough. Um, 
my dad did back me in that business. My dad's been fantastic, um, you know, for throughout my career, really. Um, you know, it's not like I started with nothing. I was very fortunate in many ways that my dad was able to help fund my first business. Um, but I guess, um, I, I guess the important thing there is he, 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 he funded it, but he wasn't doing it. I was doing it myself, you know, and I was there, you know, I was able to, I think when you do things yourself like that, you're, you're able to sort of work out what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, you learn along the way without anyone there to, to, to sort of support you. Really, you make your own mistakes and, and that's how you learn. So anyway, long story short, uh, after three years, the car search didn't work. Um, but we just stumbled into car finance online in 2003. We started getting inquiries for car finance through our netcars2000.com, uh, as the car search was called. And uh, Louis and I thought, well, you know, we're, we're finding it very difficult to generate revenue off car dealerships. Why don't we look at um, trying to do car finance online? So, you know, we started off going down one path and ended up going down a completely different path. Um, and, and sometimes that's how the best things start, I find. Um, so we, we, we've, we've done, bef we, we did then what, what we do now, but on a much, much smaller scale. Uh, so that we started in 2003 to do, we were the first to do car finance online in 03. Uh, and we, we we built a nice business probably with 25, 30 employees for four or five years. Uh, and we were very, we were, we were a very simple business model. People were applying for car finance online and we were we were a broker. So we had a panel of lenders and we were, would you believe we we're getting our acceptances through by fax, uh, not yeah. even email. <laughs> Some people won't know what a fax machine is. No, no, no. We were, we were waiting for it to come through. Was it accepted or declined? And we had to wait for it to spit off the fax machine. It's like a printer, but I don't know. Imagine an email, but it comes off a printer. Uh, so that, that's how it was. Um, it's making me sound really old. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, we, we were ringing people and saying, great news, your car finance has been approved. And go and choose a car from a dealership. And, and, and that's how we started from very sort of humble beginnings. Uh, we had a nice business. We... we um, we probably had 25, 30 employees, as I said. We were probably, I don't know, um, doing two to 300 cases a month. It was, it was a nice business, probably with a turnover of four to five million, you know. So um, for starting out at 17 and, and being under 25, sort of achieving that level of success was, was, was fantastic when, when I look back. Um, but then, you know, I, I guess this was probably the biggest crisis of our, of our, of, of our life, really, for Louis and I. Uh, was the financial crash in 2007-8. It was absolutely catastrophic, particularly for financial services business. It was a massive liquidity issue. Um, lots of lenders pulling out of the marketplace. And of course, we were a finance broker. and We needed the lenders in order to, to write business. And um, the two lenders that we worked with at the time both shut down pretty much overnight. And that closed our business down. Um, we had to pretty much let everybody go. We wound it right back down. And it was very tough. I think at one point we had the inland revenue about three hundred and fifty thousand um, pounds in VAT and PAYE and all that sort of stuff, and we, yeah, we had to put the business into administration, and that was probably um, that was probably one of the hardest things we, we you know, of our of our career, and still today, uh, you know, I look back at that time, it only feels like yesterday. Um, but in many ways, that wasn't that whilst it was a failure, it was it was also a massive learning too, and um, it was quite interesting actually because the next venture we went into uh, after that. Um, our investor was absolutely delighted we put the business into administration because it, that's he wanted that 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 sort of he wanted us to understand what it was like to, to fail because then you've got that burning desire to try and come back and succeed and, and be be a winner. Um, so that's what that's that's um, what we did. So the business went to administration. So what we thought was we would. This was probably around about two thousand 
nine, 10, we thought we'd do the car search again. So we thought we'd pick up what we first started. And um, we managed to raise 1 million pounds. Uh, we put a financial plan together. There was myself and Louis and two other colleagues. And we set up a business plan. Uh, and we, we, we set out on the road to, to raise the money. We managed to raise uh, a million pounds, as I said, from David Crossland, who was the founder of Airtools. Um, that's my travel, the big, the big tourism operator. And he, he invested in us. And I, I think that was probably our, uh, that was probably like our degree. I always look at, I always look back at that was our schooling. That was the first time we, we had proper meetings. We had a business plan. Uh, we had board meetings and it felt like we, we were being taught how to run a proper business because, of course, David came from a sort of corporate PLC background. We had a finance director and it was, it was the first time that, that we were sort of controlled rather than just running around like headless chickens doing whatever we wanted. And uh, But that structure was absolutely superb. And that, that structure that, 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 that we learned and the processes that we adopted have really helped us I build the business that we've done today. So uh, to cut a long story short, we were trying to challenge Auto Trader, which was never going to happen with a million or two million pounds. Uh, but we worked really hard. Um, we managed to get 60, 70 of the top 200 dealer groups advertising on our car search. Um, I think we had about 500 independent dealers, 100,000 cars. It wasn't generating huge revenue and probably, I don't know, a million pound revenue, you know, so it, it wasn't a, a blazing success by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but we developed some good technology, some good software. And three years later in 2012, that business was acquired by the RAC. Um, we didn't earn a lot of money, far from it in, in, in actual fact, um, but went an awful lot. That was absolute, that experience was absolutely invaluable. Um, and, you know, there was one particular time Halfway through, halfway through uh, the investment, well, not even halfway through, after six months, um, we'd burnt for a million pounds and we generated no revenue. And we needed another million pounds, which David willingly put in, um, you know, after much convincing. Was, um, was that outside of the plan? So you hadn't planned to do that? This was, it happened? No, no. You, uh, <laughs> Well, we, what we were doing was we were going around giving free trials. And of course, when you give free trials to people to come and trial our service, it's for free. When you start trying to charge people and they don't, and they, they don't want to pay for it, it's quite difficult. Uh, and that's what, we were, that's what we experienced. So we had to, we had to adapt the billing model. Um, it was all pay by results. Um, so instead of pay for inquiry, we were doing pay for click, pay for clicks. So people come and search for a car, find a car, click, and that click will go through to the dealer's website. So we, we actually ended up charging them for clicks, not inquiries, telephone calls and emails. And that worked and we started generating revenue. Uh, but I, when I look back at that experience, um, you know, having come through the financial crash and nearly losing everything, 07, 08, and then, you know, David throwing us a lifeline really by investing in our business. Um, and, you know, I think, I think my salary at the time was 60,000 pounds after six months and, um, and and generating no revenue and having to go cap in hand for another million pounds. He said, Led, listen, Reg, I'll put the, I'll put the million pounds in, uh, but you know, that salary that you're on there of 60,000 pounds, I can't, I'm not gonna afford, I'm gonna put money in to fund your salary. So he says, I'm gonna cut it in half, it's 30,000 pounds. So we had to work for 30,000 pounds. And I look back at that and that didn't bother me in the slightest. It didn't bother me in the slightest, um, the money, because, you know, uh, you don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, 
I had, you know, we were robbing from Peter to pay Paul. Uh, my, my personal mortgages were bouncing. You know, I had to get money in and juggle money around. And, you know, I even had a car on lease and I had to lend it to a friend because I couldn't afford to keep it. <laughs> and this is the reality. And then you look at a business today with 75 million revenue and where we are today, it, you know, this only seems like yesterday. But this is, the, this, is, this is the reality, really, I mean. I, I've got to interrupt you here, Reg, and because I'd like to really explore the lessons that you learned from that and the impact that had on you personally and how it helps you to achieve what you've achieved today. So what impact did all of that have on you? Um, I, knew, I knew it was tough. I knew it was going to be tough. And uh, I knew that I'd have to be resolute and uh, be extremely uh, resilient. But I've always had that burning desire and passion to be successful in whatever I was doing. And I knew that, that, that I was on the course, I was on the journey. You know, there was, there was a chance that, you know, it, it could happen. Um, one day, I guess. Um, but it's definitely made me the, the, the person I am, that's for sure. Um, because, you know, it, it's so difficult. Um, you know, I think businesses sometimes is on a knife edge. When, you, when, you're, when it's touch and go and you're starting a business for the first two, three, four years, anything can happen. Any one small thing can, you know, can put you out of business, particularly when you're trying to manage cash and cash flow, uh, you know, one wrong decision. Or, you know, so it, it, it just makes you... Um, well, when I look at my business now, when I look, and I look back to then, I feel very um, lucky. But I also understand the sacrifices that I've had to make and the hard work that I've had to put in along the way. Um, you know, and it's, it, it's definitely made me stronger as a person and um, more resolute. And I think that's probably shaped some of the culture that we see in the business today, um, for has sure. It, has it shaped your leadership style? Leadership style? Um, Yes, yes, it, it has. I mean, listen, I, when, when we talk about leadership style, I'm very, um, we have a very strong top team in the business today. There's probably five or six of us that have worked together for over a, de a decade. I think that's probably one of the strengths of our business that, you know, we've not been chopping and changing around the top table. But my, my approach, I'm direct, I'm pretty bold. Uh, you know, we call a spade a spade. And I know I'm not easy to work for, but I expect the best. Um, you know, one of our values in the business, uh, one of the behaviours that we look for is being an owner. You know, I expect people that are, you know, well remunerated and working around me to, to run their business like it was their business. You know, I, um, you know, people talk about empowerment a lot and that type of thing. Um, I, I like to have a collaborative approach um, when we're discussing issues or, or strategy or whatever it might be, or, you know, how we're doing what we're doing or just generally running the business. It's not me making all of the calls. I like to get the right people around the table, have a proper discussion. And, and we, you know, I always find you come out with the, the best um, the best results in that way. I'm a good communicator. I like to talk. Uh, I like to uh, motivate people and inspire people. Uh, I've, I've always done that. I've always set goals as well in my mind. Um, and I've shared those goals with people. And once we reach those goals, we set another goal. You know, I, and I was speaking to someone earlier about that. You know, as I was saying, you know, James, I was speaking to one of my other colleagues, James, said, you know, what, what, what have you seen along the years? He said, well, Reg, you, you're probably quite unique in a way that, you know, you don't settle. You've always want something more. But uh, I said, well, perhaps maybe I don't set limits. He said, no, you do set a limit, but we set a goal and we reach that goal and then we set another goal. And, and that's what we work towards. And, 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 and that way, you always, you're always looking at it like, 
Um, I mean, I look at my business today as if it's just starting. Yeah, we've got 500 people and, you know, uh, a, a sizable business. Uh, but there's still, there's still a long, long way to go. Um, you know, so, when, when, yeah, when, I think that would describe my leadership style. Yeah, Rick, when you say, you know, you're, you can be difficult um, to work with, mm. is that that you're challenging? What do you mean by that? I mean, how will... Yeah, what do you mean by it, you're difficult to work with? Um, I guess it's a cultural thing, really. I mean, it depends. What I tend to find is people that have come from bigger businesses and more corporate backgrounds are very defensive. And, and I see that um, with one or two people around the top table at the moment in my team. Um, I'm pretty, I, I'm easy to work with um, if we're not looking for excuses. You know, if we have a common goal, for me, it's not, it's, I, I don't take things personally. I don't fall out with people at all. Uh, and I always want what's best for my business. You with me? It's not about me. It's about car, the 24-7 group, car finance, 24-7, 24-7 money. You know, if we've got something to say, we'll say it. We'll have it out on the table. We'll be transparent. And I wear my heart on my sleeve. So if there's something wrong with me, you'll be able to see that. Um, but it's, it's never personal. Um, and, I, and I think some people do take things personally when they are challenged and when we are direct and we, we, we I mean, you know, whatever our, our DNA is, is bold and resilient. You know, we are, we're, we're quite bold, but, um, and I'm quite, quite strong and I'm quite direct, but it, it's not an attack on an individual. It, it's, it's about trying to, to, to get the best outcome for the business. And I think I find that some people um, can take things personally whereas it's it's not meant personally yeah so we might have had a, a, an issue um and i don't know as an example um we, we had an issue with our customer care team not so long ago where we had lots of issues and people are just trying to make excuses for not going back to the customer and i want if someone has a complaint i don't care what it takes i want that customer spoken to that that day not four days not a week because that's what the regulation says the same day and that's, that's quite direct, that's quite challenging. But actually, when you sit there and boil it down with three or four people in the room, you, that can be achieved. But without doing that, people say, well, that's impossible. We can't do that. Well, we need to do that. We have to do that. Um, well, we can't do that. We've not got enough resource. Well, let's get some resource from elsewhere in the business. Let's fix it. Let's do it now. So people that have worked with me for a long time are on that same wavelength and, 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 and understand how, how I like to work. Um, and, and it's easy then because, you know, you, you know when, you, when you're working with someone and you're on the same wavelength, it's absolutely fine. But I find that other people that are coming from bigger businesses, oh, you know, th that's not how it works. It's got to be like this. And people start making excuses and we're not, we're not into that sort of thing. Um, so I guess, and I expect the best of my standards are very high because, you know, we're the best at what we do. You know, we, we don't go from zero to 500 people in seven or eight years um, with, without you know, without being the best. I mean, at the end of the day, um, there are one or two businesses very similar to what we do, um, perhaps half the size with exactly the same setup, with the same website, with the same lenders, the same everything. But the only thing, the, the only difference is the people. You, you know, if you have better people and better people, uh, they need to be challenged. Um, but and then equally, they, they want to be bought into the vision and they, they understand that because that's just who we are and what we are. So that's how, and I guess that leads you on to culture. 
having the right people that actually want what's best for the business. You know, it's not about ego. It's not about me. It's about the business. So, you know, if you're not on, if you're not on board with that, then it won't work. It won't, it won't work with, with, with me. That's for sure. I agree so much that the culture plays such a crucial role in, in that success. And, but how do you bake that culture into the business? Because there will have people that are listening to this who have their own business agree mm. that culture is important, but actually mm. baking it into the business and making it happen day in, day out and making sure the behaviours are aligned to the culture. How do you make that happen when you've been growing at pace and mm. taking on lots of employees or team members is probably a better phrase. Well, but Yeah, that's a very um, culture. It's a very difficult, difficult question. It, it isn't, it isn't. Uh, I didn't know what culture was for the first five years or 10 years. I really didn't. Uh, you know, I thought it was a load of rubbish culture. I didn't, yeah, I, I wasn't interested in culture. I was interested in growing a business. Um, I was interested in trying to make a successful business. So if I look at starting car finance 24 7 with 10 people, uh, for starters, I did all the recruitment probably for four or five years. I recruited the first 150 people. Um, and a lot of those people are still, um, you know, prominent, prevalent in the business today. And um, I, I guess when you do the recruiting, you are looking to identify, um, you, you are looking for similar traits in those people that you have in yourself, I guess. Um, and, you know, so by doing the recruitment, I think you, you, you grow a little mini arm, army of regis. That's what happens, um, which is always the best thing. You know, you want, you want different, you want different, different um, people from with different opinions, of course. Um, but probably five years ago, uh, we had to try and uh, put into words what our culture was. It was it's a very real thing. It's, the culture isn't really tangible. It, it's not a tangible thing. It's just something that's, that's there. And it's very, very difficult to try and bottle it up and present it back into the business. We have done that. Um, our, our DNA uh, are passionate and proud, bold and resilient and togetherness. And underneath that, you've got, you know, be an owner, no ego, um, there's, there's many, many, you know, where the customer shoes, there's many behaviors that we're looking for. Um, so we, we try and do that in a number of ways now. We're not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but we try and weave it into our recruitment process. You have to try and weave it into the fabric of the business. Uh, we have performance management across the business. We will ask people whether it's monthly or quarterly to, to um, you know, give an example of a time that they, they, they you know, um, done something in line with one of our behaviors. And that's how we score, we, we score people. Um, but, you know, cultures, it, it starts from the top, that's for sure. It absolutely comes from the top. And, um, you know, you, you, little things, you know, I mean, for example, um, I, I, I've not had a drink now for 12 years, completely teetotal, decided to stop when I was 27. I was just getting in the way of, of, um, of, of me doing what I was doing. And, it was affecting my business. Um, my dad always said, you know, if, if it starts affecting your business or your family, then maybe you need to stop. And I stopped. But that has a very, very positive impact on the people around me at the top. It sets that, that, that you know, we're, we're here, we're focused, we're driven, we're determined. And I've seen people, you know, change their behaviours in, in and around that. Just as a very, very small thing. Um, I don't know, town halls um, that we do. That, I mean, that was huge for culture at the beginning. I used to take one, one a month and I get the whole team into the room. And it was, I remember the first one I did, I was sat on a table like with 15 people around me, then it turned into this, like there was 20 
five people. And then before we know it, we drag everyone into a room. And like, you couldn't move, it's like sardines in a room, like 200 people in a room and me stood at the front and people are whooping and, you know, I'm dry, you know, I'm talking about where we're going and what we're doing and having a laugh and a joke and, and um, recognizing people for their achievements. I think the reward and recognition piece is huge as well. You know, people want to feel value. They don't want yeah. more money all the time. They just want to say, hey, well done. They just want to be employee of the month or employee of the department and they just want to be recognized. I mean, we, we you know, we did it just this weekend gone. Um, we decided that, it, you know, it was the right thing to do to, to host the work do, obviously compliantly with, with COVID and everything like that. Uh, but we did a fabulous evening at, at the Midland Hotel in Manchester and it, it was based around an awards evening and there was so much emotion in the room. People were, were in tears coming to, you know, collect their awards. It was a fabulous night. And that, 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 that epitomizes culture. You with me? People feel like they're part of something. I mean, they get out of bed in the morning, they go and work for car finance because they understand what it's about and they're proud to be part of the journey that they're on. And, but you've got to articulate that that this is what we're doing, this is how we're doing it, and this is the part you play in it. And that that's culture, you know. But it, it, it is who you are, and it's what it's what you it's what you uh, it's what you put out there as, as a leader, I think. Uh, and and people want to follow that. That's for sure. It's part of the DNA of your business, isn't it? That's this is yeah. how we do things. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. Mm. And all of that. And, 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 yeah, and, and that's really important as well. And we are growing. It's difficult when you've got 50 people and you're in one office and you could literally go to the toilet or walk in in the morning and, and say hello to half the people in there. That's fabulous. It is more difficult when you've got, you know, a couple of hundred people across a couple of different floors and I'm on the sixth floor all the time and I don't make a conscious effort to go onto the first floor. Oh, and then I've got a building down the road where the lender's based and, oh, they never see me there. You know, it, it, it's difficult, but then you've got, you've got to put that through the management team. You've got to hold them yeah. to account to, to go out and deliver that message that, that, that I'm putting out there. Um, you know, so... You don't want to lose your identity as well. So, you know, I do think for if you know if you are um, growing quickly and you have a business that, that that's, that's growing quickly in terms of people, then it is it is something. I think at fifty people, at hundred people, you need to rethink it again. One fifty to two hundred, you need to rethink it again. It becomes more important as you get bigger because if you don't focus on it, you lose identity. And you know, for example, if Lou and I were to sell the business and walk away. And, you know, the top team was changed. Again, the business would change its culture and entity quite quickly. It would just, the, the fabric of the business would change. You know, the people I'm bringing into the top team now want to come and work for an owner-managed business. They want to come and work for Louis and I because, and, and, and the business because they can do things that they might, perhaps might not be able to do in other businesses. And it's just exciting as well. You know, and I think that, that goes through the, the fabric of the business and the people, it just perpetuates through. So uh, yeah, culture is something we do take seriously now. Um, but I think in the early days, it was just, it was just, uh, it was there. Of course it was there. We just didn't have words to describe it. Do you know what I mean? But it was very exciting. And yeah. uh, people can really get that enthusiasm and positivity from you. That's for sure. And it sounds fantastic. You've really got that whole team and ignited behind your kind of your vision and your culture and what you're aspiring to achieve. So what is on the horizon for you, Reg? What are, the, what are the kind of two questions here? What's on the horizon? What are some of the big challenges you see going forward? So um, big challenges. Okay. Um, digitization in general, I think, particularly with what's happened with COVID, there's so many more people online. Online's gone bonkers. 
Um, I, I mean, you know, we're on a Zoom call now. We, we perhaps wouldn't have been doing this uh, maybe, maybe before pre-COVID. Maybe we would have done, but I just think, you know, it's so widely accepted now that we do these types of meetings more and more so. People that may have worked in the office five days a week were perhaps working three days at, you know, in the office and two days at home. I think the world's changed. More people are going online to do things, that's for sure. So what that's meant is, is more demand. Um, we're seeing more applications now um, than we, we, we ever have before. And that puts certain challenges on the business. Um, our, our, one of the limiting factors at the moment for our business is people. Uh, we've got 500 people in group, probably 300 people um, dealing with customers on a daily basis. Um, but we're, we're talking about doubling our volumes. I just can't double to 600 people in an operation. I can't, I can't physically scale up that, you know, the call center, the account management team to get people in, to train them. I mean, you know, it's very competitive out there, recruiting good people at this moment in time to try and find people. I think there's there's more jobs than people out there at the moment. Um, you know, so it's, it's quite competitive on that front, but we can, we, 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 we know how we're going to navigate that. One of the things we've got to do is we've got to map our business onto technology. And what that, what that doesn't mean is that you apply for finance, car finance online and choose a car and never speak to a human being ever again. It just means the customers are able to do more. They're able to uh, apply. They're able to see their quote, a real quote, which they can't today. They're able to upload their documents, which they can kind of do today, but it's very disjointed. Um, there's a car search in our portal. So once people are approved, they can, they can look at cars. Um, but what we want them to be able to do is quote themselves. You know, today you can't quote yourself unless you ring us or we ring you. So if you know, we're not speaking, and lots of people don't like to answer the phone today. You know, these these you know Gen Zs and these these younger people coming through, mm. or they're busy, or they're, they're professional people. They they've not got time to answer the phone. They want to be able to do more online. So that's what we've got to do in order to scale and double and triple the size of the business. We've got to digitize the business. So that is a big, big, big focus for us. But you know, we're well positioned, um, very well positioned. We're we're, we're sort of um, we're making good inroads. We're probably. 18 months into a three-year plan with that. There are some major projects on the go. And that's why COVID has been kind to us. We've been able to sort of take a step back, stop and, and rebuild the business, particularly from that point of view, as able to sort of uh, completely um, look at our sort of software tech stack. So we've done some really good work there, which will allow us to digitize our business. Um, but there is challenges out there in the marketplace. Used car prices are so expensive. Um, there is a huge shortage of semiconductor chips, which, which means manufacturers can't produce cars fast enough. Um, so new car supply is like 40% down year on year. If you walked into a dealership today, you just won't be able to buy a car for 12 to 18 months. It's as simple as that because the, 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 the manufacturers just can't produce them. They're there, but there's no microchips um, because the world's gone bonkers because smartphones and uh, gaming and laptops and all the chips have been, you know, when, when the manufacturers shut down in the motor trade, um, you know, they, they stopped buying the chips and all the chips went for people wanting laptops to work from home. So there's just this huge backlog. So used car prices are very high, but I think they're stable. I mean, they're 20, 30% higher, but that doesn't really affect us. If anything, it just means that you can't buy a new car really without a huge weight. So people, there's more people looking at used cars, which just puts more demand through our business, which is why we need to digitize. You know, so it's quite exciting really um employment employment levels are decent you know we only have issues really i think in this country when um you know there's an employment crisis when people aren't earning when people are earning and wages are going up it's all good i mean you know inflation's quite high at the moment we'll see what happens with that next year but i i i think these are um you know three probably six 12 month issues i think as soon as the supply chains sort themselves out i think inflation should drop down back down to normal but we are in the best place we could be we're digital 
uh, we're in uh, the used car space and it, it, it's, uh, you know, we, we've got ourselves set up for success, that's for sure. But there will be challenges, I'm sure there will be along the way. Sense, I get a sense, Reg, if, you, if there were challenges ahead and there will be, as you say, you're going to find a solution anyway, because that's how very much you come across, you know, what, whatever the challenges are, you're going to find a way forward. Yes. You never know what's around the corner. I mean, no. you do have to you do have to try and plan for these things. Um, but we, we, we do do that, you know. I mean, particularly our, our finance team is very, very strong. I mean, I, I say to our CFO, it's the most expensive finance team in Manchester, and it probably is. They're all from PwC. But, you know, top four firms, Deloitte. Um, but, you know, we've got proper modelling, you know, proper, proper scenarios to make sure. Managing cash is key uh, in these sorts of times as well. You know, you've, you've got to have plenty of wall around your back. That's for sure. What uh, three pieces of practical advice would you give to somebody stepping into a leadership role? Now, we, we recognise that you can be a leader at any stage of your career. It's not about just being at the top that makes you a leader. So what, from your experience, Reg, what three pieces of advice would you give to somebody stepping into leadership, maybe for the first time? Um, I would say work hard. Um, you know, Rome wasn't built in the day. I think you've got to show, um, uh, you have to show resilience, that's for sure. Um, because, you know, if, if you have a bad day, you've got to come in the next day and just get and pick the pieces up and dust yourself down and get on with it. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. Um, I wouldn't try and do too much. I would try and stick to one or two things and do them really well, as opposed to try and do five or six things quite poorly, because, you know, you've only got so many hours in the day. And I think when you start, when you move into a, a, a leadership role, there's lots of demands for your time. And if you try and do too many things, you inevitably don't do, you, you, you can't really make an impact and make a difference. So, you know, the first three, six months or whatever it is, or whether you're, whether you're um, you know, in business, starting a business, taking a leadership role, being promoted, whatever it may be, uh, try and make an impact. And, and I think by focusing on two or three things and doing really well, you can really try and make a big impact and, you know, show those people or in your business, make, you know, make that difference. I think that's absolutely key. Um, and I would say if, if you are in business, my, my advice would be in the early days, you know, make sure you manage the money. Um, it, it's easy, easy said than done, but make sure your accounts, try and get your accounts in order. Um, try and manage your bank line. Make sure, you, make sure you're actually making money. Try and get your accounts done a week after month end so you actually know what you're up to to make proper decisions, which is what we, we never did that, by the way. And, um, you know, uh, learn from experience is what you're saying. Learn, yeah. from, learn from experience. Yeah, because you think you're making money and you're not sometimes. And you take, you know, cost control. Just just make, you know, just make sure you're managing managing the cash and um, making sure your books are in order in the early days. And that will, that, I think that will stand you in good ground. Um, very good advice. From somebody who's grown a business to quite a significant level, mm -hmm. what what would you say, Reg? You, you talked about you know make an impact. If you can, you share an example where somebody in your business, not no need to mention names, but somebody's made an impact um, as a leader, and maybe share what what it is that they did that created that impact. Um, let me think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this probably been so many things um, along along the way. Um, it could be um, we we have 
there are there are three sort of um, pillars to our business really there are customers and there are lenders and there are dealers and um we we pull these three pillars in, into a platform and um I, th I think over the past couple of years uh we've uh, the, an example i would 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 give would be um one of my colleagues who uh still works in the business today we set up uh, a new team to get dealerships to list their stock on our portal and um that wasn't going very well uh for the first six months and i uh brought brought this this individual in to to take a good look at what we were doing how things were running and um that that was his entire focus uh for a year but very very quickly um you know it doesn't take you long to go and sit down and watch people and find out what's going on and just put some quick wins in there and i think out of the back of doing that uh, this individual, we, we started to sign dealerships up, you know, very, very quickly and uh, got to where we needed to be, um, you know, which, which adds huge value to our business because uh, we need the cars on our car search. And today, that you know, that, that, that is a huge part of our business. Um, you know, so for something that wasn't working particularly well, um, you know, this, this individual came in, looked at it, put some proper processes in place, made sure the people were very clear on what they needed to do. Um, and, and, you know, the data was a big part of that and the sales strategy in and around, you know, which dealerships are we targeting? How are we targeting them? Who's ringing them? What are we saying? Simple things, people and process, proper preparation. And, you know, you start to see an impact. You can change that within two weeks. Um, and then, of course, you, then can, you can then start building on that. And that's why I always say get your ducks in a row first. Go in there, fix the problems. Let's start seeing some results. Then we can work on the big, fluffy, strategic stuff afterwards. Um, yeah, but you can you can make an impact anywhere. You, know, you can make an impact on a customer. You could make an impact on revenue. There, there are so many. It's uh, there are so many things really. Uh, yeah, I I could give hundreds of examples really. Okay, well, I'm I've not got... sure which one's the most prominent. Okay, well, I've got three questions before we wrap up. The mm -hmm. first one is around sacrifice and hours worked. So there's a lot at the moment about taking time out, taking a break, not working lots of long hours. I mm -hmm. would guess that you've probably worked a lot of hours in growing your business. So I'd be interested to know, do you still work long hours now? And when we talk about sacrifices, it's very often the, you know, kind of what we don't hear in business, the fact that you have to make sacrifice. Um, how relevant is making sacrifice to you today? So first one, kind of hours and, you know, hours worked and are you still working lots of long hours or have you got more balance there? How important is that to you and your team? Second one is about uh, making sacrifices and what your position is on that today, perhaps compared to how it was when you started the business. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um... Yeah, I mean, I've always worked long hours. I mean, I think, I think when you start your business, I mean, we were working six days a week, long hours at the start of the business for many, many years, um, you know, over the past sort of 15, 20 years. I mean, don't get me wrong, probably the last three, four, five years, it's not not, not, it's not necessarily, um, you know, as your business grows and you, you hire better people because the business is more successful, you know, you're able to afford to bring, you know, um higher caliber individuals in you, you know you can take a little a step back the focus is more on the strategic pieces and thinking about how you run the business not necessarily working in the business like it was in the early days so i'm probably not working as long hours um but that doesn't mean to say that the sacrifice isn't there i don't have to be working 
um, I'm always working. I'm always thinking. Um, I think that's the sacrifice that you make when you when you run your own business. It's it's twenty four seven. 365 it's as simple as that and you know i'm sure a lot of people will identify with that um i think covid's changed my working style my working pattern i mean my my days don't start till 10 o'clock um so all my management have their meetings in the morning i'm very very um we i'm very sort of um i put a lot of work into the governance of our business and the structure of our business you know so how do i run my business uh, what are the meetings that need to take place and which meetings am I in? Which meetings am I not in? Are they bi-weekly? Are they monthly? Are they departmental? You know, so I'm, I'm very um, uh, clear on where my time is spent. So, you know, I, I, I'm probably, be, I'm, I'm not, I don't go running around. I'm not in loads of meetings. My probably Monday to Friday, 10 till one, 10 till two. Those are the, I am in meetings. No one books a meeting because that is our governance structure. That is how I run my business. But then aside from that, in the afternoon, you know, I'm free. I can go and do what I want. I can drop into a departmental meeting. I can go where I want. You with me? So I'm not, I'm not one of these, you know, CEOs that says my diary's full and I need a PA to manage it. You know, quite the opposite. I'm quite clear. I'm, you know, my diary's actually quite clear when I look at it. But, but you have to be organized and you have to be like that. And that's evolving. Um, you know, so I don't feel like, I've got to be in the car at seven in the morning. I've got to get there for, you know, half eight because, you know, what will happen is all my management teams and the different departments are doing their meetings at those sorts of times and reporting back to me at the right times and in the right meetings. Um, you know, so I think it's like working smart. I, mean, I think it was, I remember reading, is it, um, don't quote me on this, but I think it's something on these lines of Jeff Bezos. He says, you know, don't make decisions too early in the morning. Happy first meeting at 10 o'clock. Make one or two or three really big decisions in the day and that's it. You know, and, that, and I, I take a lot from that, really. So I try and structure my days in and around that, being the right meetings with the right people at the right level, talking about the right things. Um, and and that, that's fundamentally what drives, what drives the business forward, really. Not necessarily in it, on the floor, sleeves rolled up. But that doesn't mean I'm out of touch and I don't know what's going on at the same time, far from it. And sacrifice, sacrifice. Um, I mean, it's just changed over the years. I mean, you, you know, you, you do make lots of sacrifices along the way. I mean, I, I gave an example earlier, you know, not going out, not drinking, not partying. You know, I, did, I made a conscious decision at the age of 27 to stop, um, you know, and success didn't happen overnight. It took five or six years, uh, you know, of stopping going out and partying and drinking and doing all of those things because I wanted to focus on my business like a professional footballer. You know, you can't go out doing, you can't, you can't have it both ways. Uh, that's a sacrifice. Uh, if you ask my wife, I'm, you know, she's sacrificed too and my family because I get told I'm not present because I'm probably always thinking about my business. I, even though I'm there, I'm not always there. And that's difficult too because, you know, I'm run, running a big business and shouldering that responsibility and that takes its toll. And you're shouldering that weight on your shoulders and you can't just turn off from that. That's, that's never going to happen uh, either. So, but there again, you know, if you work hard and, it, and you get a bit of momentum and you make your own look, you know, uh, time goes by and you, you, you have to, you, you know, I, I don't often stop and reflect, um, but, you know, I look at what we've achieved and where we are today and, I, I, you know, I just want not know where to start. Um, if you said tomorrow you're starting again from scratch, it would just be 
I would look at it as almost impossible because it's taken 20 years of ups and downs and, and learnings. Um, but that makes me a, a very different person. Um, you know, you can have all of these great, uh, you know, you can have um, a fantastic business, family, wife, children, money, everything else that goes along with it, and you don't need anything. Uh, but then you can just be feeling like this burden of responsibility. And, and that, 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 that does weigh on me at times. That, that is hard to, to live with. You know, I can be in not a very good mood or whatever the case. You know, not in front of people in leadership in the business. I'm just talking more personally here. It's difficult. It's really difficult. Uh, but there again, on the flip side, I love it. And I wouldn't do anything differently. I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, and I wouldn't want, you know, if I sold my business, I wouldn't know what to do. I'm not ready yet because it's, it's not the finished article. Uh, I'm not happy with it. Um, you know, if I was to pass it on to someone else and walk away, I think it was unfinished business because, you know, I've, 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 I've not, you know, got a, a business that's scaled and digitized and it's all humming and it's all beautiful. It, 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 it'll get there one day, but I'll always look at it and go, it's not quite right, but it'll be 90% the way there. Whereas probably today it's 40, 50% of the way there. Are you with me? I think um, when, maybe you get, when you get there, you'll even want to do even more things. So well, well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> but, but, but it does take its, it does it does take its toll it takes time it changes you it makes you a different person that's for sure it hardens you um you know you don't have time for many people i don't have time for many friends outside of business we don't socialize we don't do a lot i'm not that you know i want because i'm that busy i'm, I'm, I'm exhausted most of the time to be quite frank the one thing i probably need to do is one more holidays <laughs> but, you, well, know. you get those for 2022 it's been yes. absolutely amazing to hear your story I feel very privileged that you joined us on the podcast. Thank you very much indeed. And perhaps we could just end with one big leadership lesson that sums up perhaps many of the things that you've talked about. Is there one big leadership lesson? Um, one big leadership lesson. Do you know what? I, I thought about this earlier. Um, uh, you know, and, and would I, would I, would I change anything? And would I give myself any, any different advice if I could go back in time? And, and, I, and I wouldn't, because I, I just think you've got to live it. You've got to be experienced. You've got to experience um, ups and downs along the way, because that makes you, you know, who you are and what you are. So, you know, providing you enjoy what you do and you work hard, you, you know, you, you'll, you'll make your own look and you'll make your own way. That's for sure. Um, and, you know, just, I, I always say, you know, just, just try and be humble. Humility, I think, is important. I think, you know, being, being real and being authentic and just being yourself, yeah. um, I think is, is, is absolute, absolutely key. And, you know, even, you know if you do start to um, succeed and, uh, you know, you get some positive momentum, just remember, um, you know, you, you, you've got to remember the hard times as, as much as the good times. And I, you know, like I said before, it's not personal in business. You know, lots of people fall out. I, I see it all the time. Uh, but for me, you never know where you're going to meet someone again. So I, I, I the, my, my view on all of this is just, you know, just treat people like how you would want to be treated yourself because you never know where, where you know, this a person's going to come up and you never know when you're going to need someone. Um, so I just try and do the right thing and, and try and be good by people and uh, hopefully that comes around to me yeah well thank you very much thank you so much Reg it's been fascinating to hear your story your success is phenomenal 
Uh, I wish you lots of success going forward. You don't need you don't need that from me because I know you'll go and make your own success. But <laughs> thank you so much indeed for for sharing your insights and story with us. Absolutely brilliant. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rgen, rjen.co.uk website.